the sinful kind of pride. And the reason I say it's the worst sin is because it's the only thing I can find throughout the Bible where it says multiple times that God hates it. God opposes it. God resisteth it. If you're reading the King James, resisteth it. Multiple times throughout the Bible, it, it tells us through different authors and different books that God hates pride, that God opposeth pride, that God resisteth pride. Pride will make you its slave. If you become prideful, you are not free. You will become a slave to pride. Pride says, I'm better than them. Them can be anybody. It could be a person of a different race or a different gender or a different uh, skill level or a different any other human. Pride says, I'm better than her. I'm better than him. And the crazy thing is, it can be about good things or bad things. It can be me looking at you and saying, oh, well, my sin's not as bad. At least I, my sin's not as bad as his sin. Right? At least my ugly isn't as bad as her ugly. Or it can be about good things too. Well, I'm way better than him. Yeah, he's pretty good, but I'm much better than him. He could never touch me. Either way, it's a sin. Pride says I'm more valuable than that person for any reason. Yeah, I've got my issues, but at least I'm not like her. Pride creates all kinds of prejudice. And it destroys unity. And it kills freedom. Jesus prayed that we would be one. That was Jesus' prayer. We looked at that a couple months ago. That Jesus prayed that we would be one. He prayed that we would have unity so the world would know that we're his disciples. I guess you could say I want to talk about freedom. Because if you have pride, you're not free. So let's start out by saying, reminding you that who you are is free. It's who you are. Scripture tells us in Galatians that it is for freedom that he has set us free. Think about that. It is for freedom that He set us free. Now, there's a false freedom message that says, you've probably heard it, I'm free to do whatever I want. I can do anything I want. That's what freedom is. That's what grace is. I'm, I'm free to do whatever I want, but we see throughout Scripture, and Paul harps on it multiple times, that that's not true freedom because you become a slave to the thing that you worship. You become a slave to whatever it is. That sin, that, that's not true freedom. And so Paul even warns, don't use your freedom to become a slave. 
Don't use your freedom and say, I'm free to do anything I want and, and find yourself in bondage and a slave or a servant to whatever that thing is that would rule over you. I'm free to do whatever I want. And I noticed that the people that say that a lot of times live unhappy lives full of bondage and bitterness and negativity. They say don't judge and they judge. They say love everyone, but there are certain groups of people that they don't love. That is a sign of not living and walking in true freedom. If you don't love yourself, you can't really love other people. It's hard to love other people the way that God loves them if you can't love yourself or you can't forgive yourself. I heard this guy telling a story about he was doing some ministry with the homeless. And uh, he was out on the streets, you know, bringing homeless people. He'd bring them meals. And he'd go to them and he'd try to talk to them. And, hey, can I pray for you? Hey, can I? So he'd give them the meal and then he would tell them about Jesus or he would pray for them or try to help them with a practical need and then try to get in relationship, give them a little spiritual. Um, and so he went to this one guy and said, dude looked pretty rough, like he was having a hard time. And he said, oh, thank you so much. I'm starving. And the guy's like, here, no problem. God bless you. Gives him the meal. And one of the guys sitting there eating, he said, you mind if I talk to you? The homeless man said, no, I don't mind if I talk to you. And he said, um, just out of curiosity, like, why are you homeless? Like, in your opinion, through your eyes, what's the reason that you're out here? And the guy said, well, believe it or not, about a month ago, I had it all. And the guy was like, a month ago? Well, what do you mean by had it all? And, and he's like, well, I mean, last month I had clean pressed clothes, and a roof over my head, comfortable bed, TV, Wi-Fi, gym. I had my library card, full medical benefits, everything. And the, and the man was like, okay, what in the world happened? Was it something to do with COVID-19? Did you lose your job? What is it drugs? Like, did you, did you just get messed up on drugs real bad? Or is it alcohol? Or was it a bad divorce? She took everything from you? Like, what in the world? How did a month ago you had all that stuff you just listed, and now you got nothing? He said, no, it was none of that. I was paroled. Sometimes we sit in our situations, in our marriage, in our job, in our church, even in our ministries, wanting freedom rather than finding freedom in our situation. And if you're looking for freedom in the future, it'll always be in the future. If you don't learn how to find freedom now, here in the situation that you're in wanting freedom rather than finding freedom sometimes the freedom you are wanting turns out to be lots of work 
I've found that out. Freedom turns out to be a lot of work. So if you think freedom's easy, no. It's actually easier to be a slave. I didn't say good or fun or enjoyable or I don't recommend becoming a slave, but sometimes freedom takes a lot of work. I want freedom from my job. Okay. Ask any of the small business owners in the room how easy that is. No, it takes some work. You're going to work. Freedom isn't laying on the couch in your underwear. In your mom's basement. That wasn't for any of y'all. Was... That wasn't directed at Ben either. Most of the time, freedom looks like work. And if you don't know that, it's going to be hard to walk in freedom. Freedom that God has for you. Last week, if you remember, we talked about God's blessing looks like war. Like God, God promised the land to Caleb... And Joshua was trying to give him peace and rest. And Caleb said no. So the Bible tells us what we read last week. That Joshua blessed Caleb by giving him the land that was at war. That was the blessing. He gave him giants. He gave him something to slay and conquer and fight. Sometimes God's blessing looks like war. Sometimes freedom is work told you last week that faith is the down payment for your land and faithfulness is the monthly note the children of Israel they got freed from Egypt and immediately after that they wanted to go back like they got out in the wilderness they got their freedom they were no longer slaves they had been set free and God had done an amazing work and God killed Pharaoh and his army that was chasing after him we think, I want to see what's next. God's with us. God's moving. No, they got upset. Well, at least we had good food when we were slaves. At least there was security. I'm going back. And to the point where they said, let's appoint a leader and let him lead us back to be slaves again. Why? Because freedom was too hard. There's a lot of unknown in freedom. They, they were required to... Have a little faith. They wanted to go back. We talk about freedom, but too many of us don't like the weight of freedom. We don't like the responsibility of the choices we make. It creates stress and anxiety. Freedom demands that you grow up. And a lot of people don't want to grow up. I'm sad to say a lot of Christians don't want to grow up. 
We want to feel good and okay and know we're going to heaven one day, but growth, stretch me, grow me, change me. Ten years from now, I'm going to look different than I did. Wait, whoa, wait a minute. But true freedom in God demands that you grow up. So either you will have to settle for a form of slavery or you got to grow. If you want to walk in freedom and you want to be who He's called you to be, you're going to have to grow up. You know who has more freedom in my house? Me and Jesse, we can do whatever we want. Well, <laughs> Sky doesn't have as much freedom as us. And why? Because he's not grown. He's not as mature. He'll eat candy and drink sodas until he's sick. If he has the freedom to do so. So he's still got rules until he grows up. But if he grows up to be a 55-year-old man and still eats all the candy and drinks all the soda until he feels sick, there's something wrong. right? We would all agree in the natural there's a problem there. And as you grow, you're entrusted with more and you get more responsibility. And it's something we know, but we don't like to apply it spiritually. Like Titus, he's got more freedom. He's allowed to do things that Sky's not allowed to do. He's allowed to go out after church and get in our car and drive it down the road with me or Jesse in the vehicle because it is a learner's permit. But Sky is not allowed to drive it whether me or Jesse are in the vehicle or not. So as we grow, we get more freedom, but we get more responsibility. Yes, we get more freedom. We get more privileges. We get to do more fun things. We get to drive the car and eat the candy. But we also have more responsibility. And we're responsible for the people around us. Titus can run that car off and hit somebody. Paul said, when I was a child... I reasoned like a child. Like I, when, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. Well, how does a child reason? It's all about what they want and feel. It's all about what I want in this moment and what I feel in this moment. That's immaturity. And it's okay when you're a baby to be immature. We expect babies and children to be immature. We don't expect adults to be immature. So how does an adult reason? It's more about what I need. So freedom demands that you grow up. The sad thing is, and as I was thinking about all of this, that in our culture, in modern American Christianity, whatever you want to say, We don't even really tolerate biblical, theological, or spiritual maturity. It's not even really encouraged. Why? Well, because if somebody really starts growing in the things of God and becoming powerful and studying church history and theologically learning all these things and studying their Bible and their word, it makes the rest of us feel uncomfortable because they're 
Oh. <laughs> They're doing things that that we're not. I'll prove it. Think about this. What happens if, like, say, a 17-year-old boy, let's say Titus, a 16-year-old, what if he starts just studying his Bible every day and, and coming up with words and giving words and jumps on our new Facebook thing and does one of these Wisdom Wednesdays, and it's great, and he starts studying church history and, and theology and just digging into the Word and the things of God and becomes super dedicated spiritually, what happens? Everybody says, oh, well, you must be called to be a preacher. Have you thought about going to seminary? Oh, you must be, you're going to be in the full-time ministry for sure. Right? I mean, that's what gets said normally in most churches or in Christianity. That's like, oh, wow, oh, he's definitely, that's a pastor, that's a preacher, full-time ministry. When in reality, if we study our Bibles and read, that's what we're all called to do as Christians. We're all supposed to be digging in and growing and we're all supposed to be students of the Word and we're all supposed to be praying and we're all supposed to be ready and apt to give a word and to, to comfort or pray. Or We all have the same Spirit and the same God inside of us. So as Christians, every one of us should be, that should be the norm. That shouldn't be some rare thing. And the funny thing is, we wouldn't let that fly in any other area of life, in any other field. We don't accept mediocrity. Whether you're talking about sports or a job or, but we do in church. What if somebody was a brick mason and he's been a brick mason for 20, 30, 40 years? You would expect him to be good. In fact, we would call him a master brick mason. And if a young dude came along inside and said, Hey, teach me about being a brick mason, he could teach them anything they needed to know. He could tell them how it used to be and how it is now and how to mix mortar and how to lay it, how to get it straight, how to get it right. If not, he's not a good brick mason. If not, you would say, There's something wrong with him. Maybe he's got some mental challenges or maybe something's wrong. But in the church and in Christianity, we have people that have been, I've been walking with the Lord for 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years. And if you go up and ask them any spiritual advice or say, hey, you know what? I'm young in the faith and I want to come along beside you and can you mentor me? Or, hey, hey. Can you give a Wisdom Wednesday nugget? Or can you stand up and speak to some people? Or can you give me some wisdom? Or do you know, what does the Bible say about blah, blah, blah? You know, the most common answer is, people say, I'm not a preacher. Here's my pastor's number. I have people call me. Yeah, so-and-so gave me your number to call and ask this question. When somebody that's, been a Christian for so why is that acceptable so we have 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 year old babies 
Why? It's hard to watch people take their land, to walk in freedom, to, to slay their giants. When you aren't willing to, We don't allow it in any other field, such mediocrity, not in sports or music or dance or jobs. God's calling us to a higher level. Even at worst, if you just read your Bible for 40 years, you would be somewhat of an expert. I mean, just just at that, if you were just faithful and, and read the Word and allowed God to speak through it, I mean, think about it. If I read a Dr. Seuss book for 40 years, I'd be a Dr. Seuss expert just from reading the book, just from reading it that much. Remember that song, Read Your Bible, Pray Every Day. Pray every day, pray every Well, the song is, and you'll grow, grow, grow. We can't be afraid of the responsibility of growth, the responsibility of freedom, or the responsibility of maturity. It's what we're called to. You know, that saying, the grass is always greener on the other side. And I know there's all kind of stuff that people say, oh, that's because they're watering over there, and I agree with that, all this stuff. But uh, it's easy to look at somebody else's life and say, oh, yeah, I wish I had what they had, or, oh, he was set up to grow and be mature, or I wish I could have, I had the abilities that that person has, or I wish I could play a guitar like that, or I wish I could speak like that, or it's easy. I read this story. I don't know if it's true. Throw that out there. But there was a story of this old cow. And uh, she was there in her pasture. And it was okay pasture. But every winter especially, like pastures do, it turned brown and died. And she always could see from, from her pasture, she could see across the street, across this big highway, there was a high school football stadium. And all winter long, that grass was fresh and green. What that cow didn't know was that's astroturf. And so one day, one of the high school students was on the field doing some sprints and came out and left the gate that was supposed to be always closed and locked, left that gate swinging open in the wind. Old cow took off running and jumped the barbed wire and cut her legs a little bit, but she got out of that old pasture and she crossed that highway and she got in there on that field and ran over there and was so happy because she was finally in the greener pasture of that football field. One of the school teachers was leaving and noticed the gate left open and went over there and closed it and stuck the padlock through it. It's winter. Football season's over. And the story goes that the next time somebody went and opened that thing up, the old cow was laying on the astroturf dead. 
starved. There was nothing to eat. So it may have looked a little bit greener, but it brought death. Stop trying to do something to be free. Stop looking for freedom out there somewhere. And realize that who you are is free. You need to see God. And He'll remind you of who you are. Then you'll know what you got to do. It's not about what you need to do. It's realizing who you are. If you know who you are, then circumstances don't matter, situations don't matter, storms don't matter. Other people can't stop you. Sins don't matter. It, that stuff doesn't control you. Because freedom isn't found in a bottle. Freedom isn't found in pills or the great outdoors. Or, but see, freedom is found in you. And you are a son and a daughter. So remember who you are. Galatians 5.1 says, Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. Stand up. Take your stand. He set you free. So back around to where I started this whole thing, pride will enslave you. It will make you its slave. Pride destroys unity and freedom. It was the original sin. Think about it. Way back in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. Oh, we can do this. We want to know the difference in good and bad, right and wrong. Or think about the devil. And you know the devil was beautiful. He was this beautiful angel, the Bible tells us, and he was an awesome worship leader. He was really good. To the point where he was like, yeah, I'm good. I'm going to take over for God. I think I might could sing better than him. I'm beautiful. It was pride. God kicked him right on out of heaven. See, pride always lifts up self. What it does, pride always exalts yourself. Now, confidence or like a secure person makes other people look good. But pride only worships self or selfishness. Something that's going to benefit me. Pride cannot walk across a room and say, hey, I'm sorry. I was wrong. A proud person believes that he is capable of anything. But a confident person is aware of his flaws or a team player. So we're called to be part of a body or a team, unity. Proverbs 18, 12. Before his downfall, a man's heart is proud. 
But humility comes before honor. Sometimes we think an insecure person is a humble person. And that's not true. We think somebody that's insecure, oh, they're so humble. No. In fact, some of the most prideful people I've ever met in my life were some of the most insecure people I've ever met in my life. See, it takes a a lot of pride to not be willing to admit when you're wrong. Most insecure people are prideful. I think about even just little stuff like today, today when we were going over those worship songs. I got a great example of it. We go, we're playing one of the songs. I don't even remember which song it was. I think it was No Longer Slaves, the one that Rebecca sang, I believe. And when it goes to go into this part, man, Bo just messed it up. He played all the wrong chords and then just nothing. And then everybody else kind of just went on into the chorus. So, you know what Bo did? Hold up, everybody stop. I just really messed that up. Or botched that up, I think he said. I don't, I don't remember exactly. But then laughed about it and said, hey, I just really messed that up. Can we try it again? Hey, Tracy, give me some instruction on what was that? What chords did you go to there? Okay, got it. Sorry, guys. Let's move on. Guess what? Everybody just laughed about it a little bit. He received some instruction. And we moved on. Pride can't do that. If you're an insecure person, you can't admit when you're wrong. And you can't take instruction from the older, wise Tracy. Right? Like, but if you are a humble person, you can laugh at yourself because you know we all make mistakes. We all have problems. So when I mess up, I'm quick to say, I messed that up. Now, where's the wisdom around me who can speak into my life so that I don't mess it up next time? Let's laugh about it. Let's pick each other up and let's move on forward. That's what humility says. Bo is confident and humble. There's a difference. A prideful person could just go on or could have blamed it on somebody else. He could have blamed it on Alex for having the wrong chords on the on song or not having that set up right or just pretended like it wasn't their problem or their fault. You see the difference. A prideful person has a need to be noticed. And if people aren't noticing them and complimenting them, then they try to make that happen. I've done it before. But a humble person notices needs. Prideful person has a need to be noticed. And a humble person notices needs. And is meeting other people's needs. And serving and looking, oh, he needs, oh, I should... They notice needs. In 1 Corinthians 13, 4, remember where it's telling us what love is? Our God is love and we're supposed to have love. And in, in, in 13, 4, 
it says, love is never boastful or proud. Love is never proud. So anytime you're proud, anytime you're walking in pride, anytime you're that prideful person, that's not love. You're not love and you don't look like our dad because God is love. So anytime you're proud or prideful, you don't look like God. And you don't look like love. The funny thing is, it's easy to see pride in somebody else's life. Real easy. You can almost pick it out across the room. You can see pride, but it's hard to see it in your own life. They say love is blind. I think pride is blind. More than love, like you can't see it. When you're that proud person, and if somebody does try to call you out, and you're walking in pride, it just kind of makes you mad. You can't see it. So what area of your life, this is a good way to tell if you're proud, what area of your life can you not receive correction, criticism, coaching? What areas do you feel like, oh, I've got it all together. Nobody can, you can't tell me how to, you fill in the blank. Because that's a good indication that you're walking in pride in that area. Because as Christians, there should be no area in our life where we've made it. We've arrived. I no longer need to grow. I'm as good of a pastor as I need to be. I'm as good of a father as I'll ever need to be. I'm as good. What? No. We should always be growing. So if I've got areas in my life that I'm not willing to take, and I'm talking about from people I'm in relationship with and people I've given a voice to in my life, I'm not just talking about the masses and general stranger walking up and insulting me. But I'm talking about genuinely take some, some criticism, take some, hey, I think you're off in this area. Humility says, I can learn from anyone. I'm growing. I'm learning. I mean, maybe somebody can come up and tell you how to deer hunt or how to go fishing better. Ask Bo how to catch a big fish down at the lake. Got a huge one last week. And you might, humility says, okay, great. What were you fishing with? Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Oh, don't ever use that again? Got it. But if I'm in pride, I'm going to be like, don't tell me what I've been fishing that lake since I was 11 years old. I know what to use. You can't learn from anybody. So what area is it that's like that for you? I, I see it. a lot of people are like that when it comes to parenting. Don't you tell me something about my kids. I'll tell you something about your kids. What you, you see, like... What about marriage? What about your marriage? Yeah, if somebody comes to you, man, y'all don't, I don't think you're doing right by your wife. You shouldn't have treated her that way or done that. Well, tell me, look at his marriage. He got divorced last year. Look at that. No, that's pride. And it's ugly and it's sin and it causes division. Pride prevents intimacy with God 
and other people. So let's look at a few verses and, and we're going to wrap this thing up. James 4, 6. Jesus' brother said this. But he giveth more grace. Anybody need more grace? I do. He giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace. That giveth, he giveth grace, or he handeth grace. Giveth grace unto the humble. First Peter says almost the exact same thing that we just read. First Peter 5, 5 and 6 says, Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. Sorry, I lost my place. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives or hands grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. Cast all of your anxiety on Him, because He cares for you. Proverbs 16, 18. This is a familiar one, I'm sure. Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. I guess you are going to be destroyed, says pride goes before destruction. Because think about those two verses we just read. God opposes or resisteth the proud. Peter and James just told us that, that he opposes and resisteth the proud. Like a, like a football player stiff arm in the defender God opposes and resisteth the proud but he gives or hands grace to the humble he doesn't throw it at them both of those places tell us that he gives it he hands grace to the humble and he opposes the proud God draws near to the humble. You know, the only way I can hand, like if I want to hand something to Wayne, I'm going to have to get closer to him. I could throw something at him from here, but God doesn't throw grace at us. He gives it to us or hands it to us. So what does that mean? It means we got to get close. It means when I'm humble and God draws near. And it means the scripture we just read, draw near unto God and he'll draw near to you. And then what happens? He gives me more grace. A sustaining grace. He gives me grace for the moment that I'm in. When I choose to be humble. But when I'm proud, God opposes me. I don't want God to oppose me. God resisteth me. I mean, to resist somebody, to oppose somebody. Well, no wonder Proverbs says that pride comes before destruction or before a fall because if God's opposing you and resisting you, you're probably going to fall pretty soon. 
you're, yeah, you probably are headed for destruction. He doesn't throw grace. He hands it to you. So, so what do we do? Let's wrap this up with what we do. What, what can we do to get rid of pride? Number one, the number one thing you can do. Admit when you're wrong. It's, well, I was about to say it's not that hard. It is hard. But it's so worth it. And I don't, I could be talking about in a relationship with somebody, in your marriage, with your kids, like on your job, just like even like what Bo did today. If you make a mistake, just learn how to admit when you're wrong. Then it makes it easy to move on from it. People will forgive you. And if they don't, that's on them. We've got to learn how to admit when we're wrong. Pride wants to point out what somebody else did. And and can I say, if, you, if you're dating, like, not to the married people, but if you're dating somebody that can't admit when they're wrong, I got some counsel for you. Run. Not married people. You're stuck. You're going to have to grow. <laughs> but if y'all, you're not married, hey, Get out of that. Trust me, you don't want to be in a marriage with somebody that can't admit when they're wrong. And I'm sorry for those of you that are. But you can grow and you can change. we got to learn how to admit when we're wrong. If we want to have good relationships with people and with God, we want to grow. We want to walk in real freedom. It's a big key. And I'm not talking about this. A lot of us do this. Here's Pride tries to slip in that door too. Well, I did some wrong things, but so did you. Right? That, that's, not, that's not admitting I was wrong if I got to make you. Well, I did. Okay, fine. Yeah, I did do that, but so did you. I can't require you to admit that you are wrong. I got to admit when I'm wrong. All right. Second thing. I only got three things. What we can do. The second one. Recognize God's grace. Recognize it. You know that song we sing, uh, Holy Spirit, let us become more aware of your presence. Like recognize God's grace. He hands grace to the humble. So if you're humble or you're around humble people, then you should see the evidence of God's grace. One time Barnabas, um, he shows up at this church and it says that when he arrived and he saw the evidence of the grace of God, like Barnabas just showed up at this church and it says when he arrived, he saw the evidence of the grace of God. It was just there. It was evident. I wonder if I hung out with you for a day 
in your normal routine or just watched how you interacted with people, would I see the evidence of the grace of God? I wonder if you hang out with me and you hear me talk, if you heard my heart, would you see the evidence of the grace of God? Would you see humility or would you see pride? First Corinthians 10:15 says this. I love how the message Bible words this. I assume I'm addressing believers now who are mature. Draw your own conclusions. When we drink the cup of blessing, aren't we taking into ourselves the blood, the very life of Christ? And isn't it the same with the loaf of bread we break and eat? Don't we take into ourselves the body, the very life of Christ? Because there is one loaf. Our manyness becomes oneness. Christ doesn't become fragmented in us. Rather, we become unified in Him. In Christ, we become one. We don't reduce Christ to what we are. No, He raises us to what He is. See, God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and grace always bring unity. So if there's division and separation, then it's not God's Spirit and it's not evidence of God's grace. Third one, last one. Give thanks in worship. Give thanks. I preached a whole message a few weeks ago, sometime during quarantine, about living a life of gratitude. About finding things to be thankful for and grateful for and letting the people know in your life that what you, who you're, you're grateful for. That you can always find something to be thankful for, grateful for, and, and to thank God. To give thanks. It's hard to be prideful when you're thankful. When I'm sitting here thinking about what I'm thankful for and how thankful I am for mom and how thankful I am for Tristan and Kathy and, and if I'm sitting here thinking about how grateful I am for y'all and, and I'm thinking about how grateful I am for God and how he saved me from my sins and how powerful he is and how he moved in my finances and how I'm thinking about how grateful I am, it's real hard to get prideful and start thinking I'm all that because I'm thinking about how y'all are all that and how God's all that and when God is exalted, it gives me confidence and not pride. When I'm thankful, when I think about all the things that I'm thankful for, it's hard to be prideful when you're thankful. Gratitude not only changes your perspective, but it invites God into your situation. And that's the key. Inviting His presence, inviting Him into this moment, into the situation. Pride is ugly, it's nasty, and it's an intruder in your heart and mind. And I was thinking about 
when uh, back when me and Jesse had we hadn't been married long, we were young, and uh, we had bought this little trailer, and it was rough. Okay, it was bad. There was a bunch of bad things in there. So bad, like some of the floors were rotted out in this thing, and the carpet was just draped over the floor joists like little hammocks. Uh, well, what we didn't realize was there were rats in there that could... I put money on the rats against a pit bull. I mean, these things were beast. Okay, so we move in there. We're young. I'm working. Jessie's from California. I don't know that she's ever seen rats that big. All right, so she was scared and freaked out, and she wake me up because you know what happens at night when it gets dark and quiet. Guess who comes out? Big old rats. And we didn't know they lived there. These things, y'all, I kid you not, if y'all hadn't ever heard me tell this story, like, and Jesse can verify that this is true, these things were so big and scary, they'd come out at night when we were trying to sleep. Well, Jesse would freak out and want to wake me up to save her and protect her and for a while, you know, we're young and we just got married. And I want, but then after a while, it's like, man, I got to get up and go to work in the morning. When I can't get up at one, two, three, four, five, scare rats out of the kitchen or whatever, like I can't. So I got this brilliant idea and got a little, you know, one of those little pump pellet guns. Well, Jesse didn't know how to use it. So I taught her how to use the pellet gun. I said, pump that thing up about 10 times. And you see one of those rats come walking out on the floor or on the counter or whatever, pump it up and shoot it. You don't wake me up. All right, and then I'll get some sleep and I'll go to work the next morning. Sure enough, I don't know, about 2, 3 a.m., here she goes, wake up, wake up, wake up. I'm like, what? Oh, God, I thought you were going to use the gun. She said, I pumped it up, a big, huge one came walking right on the counter and I aimed at him and I shot him and he just looked at me and went how many times you pumped that she said I pumped it ten times then I was scared I would have ran away if she shot me with it I mean that was a pretty powerful little pellet gun that's a bad rat. Like, he didn't even walk off. He's like, what are you doing? Those were intruders. All right, so we put traps out everywhere. We had traps all over. You could call it a trap house. <laughs> For more, re- never mind. <clears throat> I'll reel that back in. We put poison out. These things apparently had grown so big they had developed very good brains. Because they were too smart to eat poison. So you know what we did? Here's what finally worked. What finally worked. We went and found the wildest, baddest cats we could get our hands on. I'm talking about these cats were so mean they clawed me up trying to get them. We went and caught them out of the wild beside Bremen McDonald's. 
And when I say we, I mean me, while she sat in the car laughing. (laughs) But we caught some of the meanest kittens you've ever seen in your life. We couldn't even hardly touch them. But guess what? They got rid of those rats. We brought those things in there. And they got rid of the rats. See, pride is ugly and nasty. And when you see it, you don't want that in your house. You don't want that living in your brain, in your heart, in your mind. And at first, those rats came into that trailer. They were intruders. Like, think about it. One, There had to be the first one that ever walked in there. At one point, the first rat walked in. And it was not opposed or killed. So his family moved in with him and they began to reproduce. Just like pride. And before long, we, me and Jesse, the owners, were looked at as the intruders. (laughs) My house. That's what pride will do. And if you let it go unchecked, it leads to all kinds of other sins and all kinds of other prejudice and separation from other people and from God. And it's an intruder. So, yeah, why'd why'd you bring that up? Poison didn't work. The traps didn't work. What did? Bringing in something more powerful than the rats. Don't focus on chasing the pride out of your life this afternoon. That's that last one. Give thanks and worship. Magnify the Lord, David would say. Psalm 100. I'll close with this psalm. On your feet now. Applaud God. Bring a gift of laughter. Sing yourselves into His presence. You know you can sing yourself into God's presence. You don't have to have a great voice. or You can sing yourself into God's presence. Sing yourself into His presence. Know this. God is God and God, God. Period. He made us. We didn't make Him. We're His people. His well-tended sheep. Enter with the password, thank you. But we can enter into His presence with this password. Thank you. Make yourselves at home talking praise. Thank Him. Worship Him. Talk about the things you're thankful for. Make that your home. In other words, make yourself comfortable in this space of talking thanks and praise and reminding yourself how big God is and that you didn't choose Him, He chose you. This psalm saying, make yourself at home there. Remind yourself of this. For God is sheer beauty, all generous in love, loyal always and forever. That's our God. Don't let pride live in your house. Let's clothe ourselves with humility. Walk humbly before God and each other. 
Admit when you're wrong. Recognize God's grace. And give thanks and worship. Let's pray. God, thank you. God, thanks for speaking to our hearts and mind. God, we want to grow. We don't want to get stuck or, or be okay with average or mediocre. We, we want to grow in the things of you. We want to grow in the spirit. We want to be more powerful next year than we are this year. And we know that that comes with unity. Unity with you and each other. So God, help us to walk in humility. God, help us to admit when we're wrong. and Ask for forgiveness. To stab a dagger in the heart of pride. And help us to not waste our time shooting pride with pellet guns. But as Scripture says, help us to let you arise. Let God arise. so that the enemies will be scattered. God, we love you. Thanks for loving us. Thank you for grace and mercy. Thanks for growing us up and teaching us. In Jesus' name, amen.